sermon this morning. I wanted us to break off as we do into groups of twos and threes, and I hope that you wouldn't mind meeting someone new and making sure someone doesn't sit by themselves for, for two minutes. Really sad. And uh, go ahead and ask the people around you these two questions. What do you pray, pray about? So what are the majority of things that you pray about? And think about it in terms of categories, right? So if there's 15 specific things that you pray for, what category do they fall in? Is it mostly like uh, telling God how awesome he is or asking God for stuff or praying for your friends? So what are the things that you pray about and think about it in terms of large buckets or categories? And then I jacked this question from Patrick, if you follow him on Facebook, but if you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? So that's your bonus question. Work on the first one. And then if you're bored, work on the second one so there's no awkward silence, okay? All right, uh, I'll give you guys uh, three minutes, and then we'll come back up. Uh, glad you guys got to share a little bit. Hope you got to meet someone uh, as well. And um, so again, over the last, um, uh, from this new year, we've been looking at spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines. And Dr. Ken preached on this this first week of the year, he took January 1st, which I was like, oh, people are going to be hung over. I don't want to preach that Sunday. So he did it for me. And I also wanted to hang out with my friends. Anyways, thanks. Thanks, Dr. Ken. And, um, and he defined uh, spiritual disciplines as intentional practices in ways that we are able to bring out space to experience God's grace and to grow and to be transformed by his spirit. And the next Sunday, I preached and I talked about uh, creating space. And I, I think about uh, Liam. I, I have a two-month-old son, and when we were waiting for him to come, we, we looked at our closet, and we said, this is his baby room. And it's his baby room until he realizes it's a closet. <laughs> and so we tried to, our best to deceive him, and it's like cluttered. So we moved all this stuff out, right? Like, what clothes don't we wear? What stuff can be in the garage? And we created a baby room, a, a space for us to build out a crib and for him to sleep in. Because he's more important than my t-shirt from high school that's like kind of, you know, sparkly. Um, I just said that. It's not real. Um, and, and I think in the same way when we say, hey, God's important in our life. We want to connect with him. What are we, how are we creating space in our day-to-day, in our week-to-week in order to have him come in. And that means that we have to clear out certain things in our life, right? We have to watch one season of Netflix instead of two a day. And uh, we gotta play on our games one hour instead of six hours, right? What are the things, what are the noise in our life uh, that we need to turn down or silence in order to create space to be with God? And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what it means to fill that space. So now that we've created space, hopefully last Sunday, we're looking at what, what's, what are ways that we can fill the space in meaningful uh, connection with the Lord. And so today we're going to talk about prayer. And, um, oh, that's our definition. And we look at Luke chapter 1, and I love this passage because the disciples asked Jesus this really simple question. Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And I think about all the moments where the disciples caught Jesus praying, where they wondered where he was, and they followed these footsteps, and they would see him kneeling or walking 
or simply just talking to the Lord, or they're looking around in the middle of the night and Jesus is gone again, and maybe this time instead of freaking out, they just know. They know he's gone to talk to his father. It was just such an intimate and integral part of his life. Last week, we just kind of looked at all these moments where Jesus withdrew while grieving, while being harassed, while being called to be king. He walked away from the crowds, and he was with God. And I think in this moment, the disciples interrupt him. They, they've seen him model this, and they stop him, and they say, Jesus, master, teacher, help us learn how to pray. And I feel like I echo this, this question with them. You know, if, if we were to walk up to Jesus right now and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, isn't this cool? Like, the next, the following verses is what he would say to us. And so if that's a question on your heart, if you feel like prayer has been a little empty, a little dry, a little difficult, and you want to stop Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray, this is what he would say to us. It follows from Luke chapter 11, verse 2, but we're going to look at the Matthew account because it's a little bit more uh, full. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 to 13 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When I think about prayer, um, I just think about how it's a fundamental way in which we build relationship, right? How do you become close friends? How do you start dating someone? How do you uh, build out a relationship? You, you talk, and you share your story, and you share your pain, and you share your, your goals in life, right? Um, that's what a date looks like most of the time. You sit down over coffee, and you have conversation. And, um, and it's very primitive, and it's super basic, and when we talk about having conversation with people, we say it's talking. And when we talk about having conversation with God, we say it's praying. So it's just a very simplistic term for approaching God instead of humans. That's what praying is. And I think if you think about it in a more casual kind of um, breakdown way, it doesn't seem as scary, right? Prayer is just addressing God, talking to him. You don't need to have the perfect words. You don't need to say thine and thus and shall, right? You could just sit back, talk to God, and he's listening. And I love how Jesus asks us to approach the Father. So when we look at this prayer that he's teaching his disciples, it's not something he's just calling them to rem memorize and repeat. And, um, and when we talk to God, just kind of say this prayer and move on. This prayer is actually an outline for prayer. It's giving us multiple categories to enrich in uh, our prayer life, right? So we're not just kind of stuck on one category. And he gives us all of these dynamic ways to talk to God. This may or may not be a made-up story, but I remember meeting Nina and like really wanting to hang out with her and wanting her to like me. And so we had a mutual friend and I asked her, dude, how do I talk to Nina? Like what's important to her? What are her passions? What... What does she care about? 
And she told me, oh, she's a children's pastor. She loves kids, you know, like she's going to ISF and for Talbot, um, spiritual formations. And she's from Australia. And so on our first date, I sat down with her. And instead of talking about basketball for four hours or video games or how much I can lift, right, which is really, really impressive at the time, <laughs> um, I, I was like, not to women, but to other men, it's impressive. <laughs> Doesn't help you. Okay, anyways. Um, I talked about things she cared about. And Jesus, in, in these words, are talk, is ta- telling us, what does God care about? When we sit down with him, how do we approach him? What does he want to talk about? What's important to him? What are the categories in which God wants to engage us in, in which would build our relationship and help us connect with him? And I just love the simple line, our Father, in heaven. Because I think about all the ways that, that Jesus could tell us to approach God. It could be, you know, master and servant. It could be teacher and student. It could be creator and the created. But instead, Jesus asks us to approach God in the most intimate way. This word father in Greek is Abba, which means daddy. And he's saying, out of all the ways we can address and approach God. He wants us to approach him intimately. He wants us to approach him relationally. He wants us to see him as daddy. You know, uh, Liam just started cooing, and I think it's the most amazing thing. Like, when he starts cooing, I shut down Netflix, which is a miracle. I put down my games. Me and Nina stop talking, and we just kind of run over, and we listen to him coo. And it's, it's like, it's so great. And then, like, as he's cooing, we're like, what else do you want to say? What else do you want to say, you know? <laughs> Tell us more, Liam. And, um, and I think about when, when Jesus says, talk to God as daddy, that's the imagery I get. That he's he's waiting to hear us. That he's leaning in. That he's running to hold us and to to see what we have to say. He wants that face-to-face time. He wants to hear our voice. And I think it makes prayer and approaching God just so much easier. You know, like, Talking to your dad should be super easy, right? We just go up to him all the time and be like, Dad, blah, blah, you know, my day sucked. <laughs> and I hope that as we approach God, we would see him as Father. We would know he wants to hold us. We would know that he knows us intimately. He knows every hair on our head. I stare at Liam all the time, and I, he doesn't have that much hair, and I still can't count it, Right? So God knows us better than our parents. God knows us better than we know ourselves. But what's interesting about this first line is that Jesus has us hold God in this intimate, daddy, um, like, hugging us way. And then right away, he transitions and he says, but this father of yours, he's in heaven and he's holy. And he holds the universe in his hands. And he created this earth effortlessly. And angels are bowing before him. And you should too. I think that's a difficult tension sometimes. But he traverses it in one statement. In one breath, he meditates and thinks deeply and allows us to hold God intimately 
And in the exhale of that, we are on our knees because he's on his throne, because he, his power is endless, because he holds the universe in his hands. And I wonder how often in our prayers do we think about his majesty and just kind of stand in awe and stunned because of how great he is. And I hope especially for those who grew up Christian, like me, we would long to be in awe of God again. We would long to be pushed to our knees again before this God who so big, right? Like I was watching this documentary on Netflix and um, it was like animals and nature and, and this guy's like deep sea diving and you're looking at all, everything that's going on under the ocean floor, right? All the life that's there, all the beauty that's there. And I just thought that, man, all this is going on and we're not even seeing it, right? We see so little, such a fraction of the beauty in the ocean. And I felt like I was saying, but I did that for me. Like, that's something that delights me. I see all of it, and I smile. I think about how God carves out the Grand Canyon over thousands of years. And he's like, yep, you painted the, the bike, and I painted, <laughs> and I carved out the sculpture. And I hope that when we see him, um, we will long to behold him. We will long to be surprised by him. We will long to be on our knees. How in our prayers is there this deep intimacy? And how in our prayers are we on our knees? Then he moves on and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we relate to God, we, the second question we ask is, God, what is it that is on your heart? What is it, how are you building out your kingdom around me? Right? God has this huge meta story of the earth and us being broken and him restoring it through our occupations, through our passions, through the church. And we get to be a part of that. I think it's amazing that there's a will that he's carrying out in human history. And then there's a will in each of our lives. Each of you, God has a plan and a purpose for. Before you came to the earth, he had set apart good things for you to do. I feel like that alone should humble us, that the God of the universe who can do it all says, I, wanna, I want you to do something significant, and I'm going to craft your story, I'm going to craft your talents, I'm going to craft your ethnicity and your gender and your education for you to do something meaningful on this earth, something that is beyond you, something that is weaved from here all the way out to eternity. And our place in prayer is to say, God, what is that? What is it that you want me to do in my life for the next 30 years? And then for the next two years, for the next month, and for today, how do I step into your will? What is it that you're calling me to? And I guarantee you that when you have that kind of per perspective, when you understand that God's created you for something really specific, and for something that he's given you to do and no one else, and you feel like you're in the middle of that, whether that's being an occupational therapist like my wife and Jamie, or being a teacher, or looking after foster kids, or being in business and helping people prosper, 
when you're in the middle of it and you're not just doing it for you, for your, for your fame, but you're doing it for the Lord, there's so much joy that will fill your heart. You'll feel super rich, even if you're living in a one-bedroom apartment and your kid's in the closet. You'll feel like the richest man on earth. I pray that for each of us, but we find that only through our creator, only through the one who creates us, who is weaving this, this, this thousand-year-old story, is the one who can tell us our place in it. How in our prayers have we sat back and said, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. And it's okay to ask God for what you need. But I want you to notice where it comes in terms of priority. Connecting with him intimately, worshiping him, asking him for his will in our lives, for his will to come and his kingdom to come on earth. And then saying, God, help me to have enough so I can be a part of your will. So what is it that you're depending on God for in a daily way? And it, you might have enough bread. You might have bread and cake and meat, but maybe you're feeling um, hopeless. Maybe you need to depend on God for relationship. Maybe you need to depend on God for uh, finances or health. But God is inviting us to depend on him in this daily, repetitive way. And um, I wonder if everything we have on, um, around us is something that we've asked God for and we know is from him, right? Because if we feel like we've earned it, if we feel like our boss gave it to us, if we feel like it's from our parents, then they're the ones that we worship. They're the ones that we serve. They're the ones that we feel like, oh man, if this guy doesn't like me anymore, I'm totally screwed. But if all of those things are from God, then we will worship him, we will depend on him, and we'll go to him. So how in our daily lives are we depending on the Lord? Verse 12, I think, is the hardest. It says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You know, when someone wrongs us, they, it, it feels like they owe us something. And if you, you're married or in a relationship, right? One time I remember I was mean to Nina, and um, she was really mad at me. But luckily, I had bought her something for, like, her birthday in a few weeks. So I pulled it out early. I was like, I'm sorry, and I gave her a gift. And she was like, I forgive you, right? And we said, next time, if I, if I mess up, just, like, make a motion of how big I messed up, and I will buy you that size of gift, right? Like, you're indebted to me. <laughs> you know, like, you messed up this big. Oh, crap, here's the TV. You know, like... <laughs> And um, that's how our relationships work, right? With the people we care about, with our enemies, um, there's a sense of debt. Actually, uh, I won't go into philosophy. And so, um, and, and there's really no reason to forgive someone. Like if Jake came up and he just punched me in the face as hard as he could, right? In my relationship with him, he owes me. That's it, right? Why would I forgive you for punching me in the face in the middle of my sermon, hypothetically? There's no reason for me to forgive you, right? Either I get to punch you back in elementary school, right? Isn't that what happens? Like, if you punch someone, they just, they're like, okay, you owe me a punch, and then you punch them back. So I could, I've always wanted to hit you in the face. No, I'm just kidding. Um, or you could give me money. I don't know. Um, and there's no reason for me to forgive him. But 
what, what Jesus is saying is that we, forgive our, we are forgiven and therefore we forgive. So as Jake punches me in the face, I think about how he's wronged me and how he's indebted to me, not in the isolation of our relationship. I think about him punching me in relation to me wronging God and how I'm indebted to him. And I think about forgiveness in relation to how the Lord has forgiven me over and over again and what it cost him to forgive me. And as I inhale, as I breathe in this prayer of forgive me, Father, I take that into the context of the people who have wronged me. And he says, breathe in my forgiveness and breathe out forgiveness to the people around you. It's only in the context of God forgiving me that I have any reason to get forgive the people around me. It's only in the context of God forgiving me in my evil and my sin that I have every reason to forgive the people around me. Because no matter what someone else has done to me, if you really understand grace, if you really understand what it took for Jesus to forgive you, you would know, you would be humbled by how it's uncomparable. It's when we separate the two. It's when we say, God, forgive me. Why did you punch me? <laughs> now you owe me money, right? So when there's separation, it doesn't make sense. And so Jesus pushes it together. And all of those things come together. We love because he first loved us. Freely we receive, therefore freely we give. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Today we're going to take communion, and um, that's what I want, would love us to practice. If you take communion today, I would love for you to receive this unconditional forgiveness that Jesus just hands to us. And he pays it, right? He pays the debt by going on the cross. One of his last words is paid in full in Greek. It is finished. In Greek means paid in full. I have paid for all of you. And so as we receive his blood shed for us, his body broken for us, I want us to go on uh, the glass that I paid $100 for and write, what are the debts that God's forgiven me? And then what are the debts that I'm forgiving others for? because of his forgiveness. If we understand the forgiveness of God, we'll understand how to forgive others. And I think one of the evidences that we don't really get grace and the gospel and forgiveness from the Lord is, is evidenced in how hard it is to forgive the other person or how limited our forgiveness is or when we place conditions on it. And we can reflect in the ways that we have a hard time forgiving others, maybe that's how we see God forgiving us, that he does it hesitantly, that he does it with conditions, that he does it with anger, that he does it with, okay, I forgive you, but, you know, go do all these other things. Receive his forgiveness. Forgive others. Lastly, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
And I think about how God has, man, each of you are such great gifts to our community. I had membership class uh, yesterday. Kelly and um, Jay was there. And I said, you guys are parts of the body here. Um, you guys are members of the body, right? And as you optometrist <laughs> students know, like God doesn't waste any members of our body. Everything he gives us, he gives us in precision. And um, you are placed here with precision. In your families, in your communities, if you commit to renew, you have specific gifts that you can give us, that only you can give us. God has a plan for each one of your lives, but Satan has a plan too. And he wants to tempt us. He wants to deter us. He wants to waste our years. You guys have so many gifts, and most of you have many years, and Satan wants to suck it out of you. Satan wants you to just go after something for your whole life and then find out 30 years later that it really didn't do anything for the people around you, that it's actually empty, that the hole in your heart is still, is still there, that the thing you strove for, the thing you gave up your life for, the thing you gave relationships for, when you actually grabbed a hold of it and pushed it into your heart, it just shrank on you. You know, Satan is going to line up your life so that you walk away from God. We have a real enemy out there. We have all these messages from him on what we should spend our life on, accumulating wealth, sleeping around, being Facebook famous. And Jesus says, pray that you aren't led into temptation. Pray that you are delivered from evil so that you can be in relationship with God and live purposefully so that you can forgive freely and receive forgiveness. In the next slide, I'm just going to close us in prayer. And then I would love for us to go back into our small groups and ask these two questions and then really just pray and apply um, today, today's sermon into our lives. And hopefully, as we practice it here, it will become part of how we pray in the future. Again, this is an outline, but it needs to be contextualized into your life, into your relationship with the Lord, into the circumstances you're in, into your personality, right? The way that I understand God as Father is going to be different than you. And so which part of the disciples' prayer resonates with your heart, uh, with your life right now? Is there a part of this prayer that you're like, I need to be praying that? Because that makes sense to me. That's what I need. I need to really pray and talk to God deeply about this. And then which part do you pray the least? You know, some of us get stuck in give us today our daily bread. And that's like 95% of our conversation, right? And maybe 5% or 1% is maybe we've never prayed to forgive other people. So maybe there's an aspect of prayer and conversation with the Lord in your life that Jesus wants to bolster today and help you discover. And then I would love for us to get back into our small groups and take some time just uh, to pray out loud on those two parts, on the part that resonates with you and on the part that maybe you haven't been praying um, in your prayer life. All right? So I'm going to pray for us, and then I would love for us to spend five, six minutes uh, jumping into that. God, thank you so much for our time together and
as we think about creating space in our life to connect with you, prayer, I hope, will dominate a lot of that space. Um, we talk to you often, but I pray that you would teach us to talk to you in me meaningful ways. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us how to pray out of your life. And I ask that in my life, um, in the life of our community, that we will learn to pray like you do. Um, we will learn to pray through you. Thank you for an opportunity to talk to a real and living God in this moment. Thank you that when we pray today with our brothers and sisters, you lean in, you run to us, you want to hear our voice. How amazing is that? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you guys could just go ahead and uh, go back into your small groups and lead each other in prayer. That'd be awesome.